full disclosure, you know, I spent a lot of time at Alienware, had had a great time. You know, I came in there from Miami, Florida, and it was a great time. And here, we're here today with Frank Azor. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, it was really awesome because I was hanging out with the, the Red Eye Land Party, and I met a lot of people, and I got connected uh, with Alienware. And what's really awesome is... I always had the feeling that you were able to mix the idea of people who had a love of gaming with a corporate environment and get the job done. And what was really awesome for me was the fact that you had people who could clearly go and play these games, have fun in an environment, but when customers needed to get things done, when work needed to get things done, they were able to do it. And a lot of times in business, even still today, you see some companies, Google, some other companies, game companies, are able to do that, mix a fun environment, but still getting the work done. Now, you, of course, you know, being in management, being in high positions, especially now, you've seen that. Could you just give us an idea of how you're able to do that, especially with so many young people at the time, having young people, that fun environment, but still being able to, you know, put the best foot forward for the customer? Yeah, it was interesting. We used to kind of talk about how we worked really hard and we played really hard at the same time. Um, and, you know, whether it was we were playing games or we were going out together as a team on the weekends, sometimes during the week. Um, but we, to your point, right, we were, we were a very young company. Um, a lot of us were either in school, um, in some cases high school, in some cases college, um, you know, we were in, in a lot of cases, uh, not married yet. We weren't, we didn't have kids. Uh, and granted we had uh, ages, all types of ages within the company, but kind of those of us that were in the 20 year old, early 30 year old category, um, we all kind of like, I don't know, we, we formed kind of like this, um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a fraternity, but it's, it's more like a fraternity. It kind of was, I mean, because I, I remember, I can remember going out at night on the weekends and stuff, and it didn't matter if it was VPs or, you know, the, the janitor. Um, if everybody wanted to go out, we all just went out and we hung out and we joked around and we had drinks or we'd get together for a land party or it, it, the, the roles and, and the titles and things really didn't matter as soon as it was like six or seven o'clock right everybody was just equal footing and i think that culture of having that kind of an environment was um what helped us breed that like play hard uh type of culture that we had uh, at the same time most of us not all but a lot of us were gamers so it's like that was our passion that's what we loved to do we got to come to work and kind of you know, professionalize that to some extent. Um, but that passion also helped us understand when we screwed up for a customer, how that would, we could relate, we could understand that we could put ourselves in the customer's shoes. And I think that fueled a lot of the decisions and the passion and the work hard kind of culture and mentality that we had is we never really wanted to disappoint our customers. We never wanted to disappoint each other because we were all friends as much as we were colleagues. Um, and we made a lot of sacrifices back then, but damn, we had a lot of fun too, all at the same time. Yeah. So I think, you know, being our own customer and working in a really, it was a hard culture. It was a tough environment because we had so much going on and it was, we had so few resources and our appetite was bigger than our stomachs. But 
because so much of us could relate to what we were doing and we loved you know the 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 game itself of game of playing games and what we were building I mean, we we're building we are still building the most badass toys out there if you will um i think it made it easier for us to be self-motivated to go work extra hard and hang out together and do all those things because there was a, a really cool purpose that we were all working towards a purpose that we were going to all benefit from as well as gamers ourselves i know that um you always saw, and I, I saw this, where people, especially people who built their own systems, you know, they were always saying, oh, well, why would I need to go to Alienware? I can build a system. Or why do I need to put this together? And I think a lot of people didn't understand, like, either those that either didn't have the time or didn't have the skill to put together a system. And they didn't understand, like, um, you know, what it actually took to put together a system. You know, could you just give people, like, a little understanding that, you know, if you want to put together a high-end gaming system and either you don't have the time, you don't have the skill, that's why you need to have, you know, a high-performance company put that together for you to kind of, like, answer that question of like why you need to have a high-end boutique system if you want to have a high-end you know gaming system yeah there, there's i'll talk about kind of three customers three profiles of of customers or, or people out there there's a lot more than this but these three specifically um around the question that you're asking there's people that have the technical knowledge to build their own hardware and if you have that knowledge and it's easy and it's intuitive for you to go build your own pc we're never going to build a product better than you can build it yourself. And I'm happy and proud and confident to say that because I came from the DIY background. And a lot of us did here, too. It's part of the reason how we were able to qualify for the jobs here. Yeah, we could, that was one of the first things was how many computers have you built and what yeah. games are you playing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the fundamentals of hardware and, and, and well, back then, like buses and DMAs and IRQs and all that stuff. It was a lot more complicated back then than it is today. So you have that kind of no, the people that have that knowledge base. Then you have people that just want to play games mm -hmm. and they don't want to deal with headaches and they, they all they're, they're not even in some cases technical necessarily. They just want to turn on their PC, get into the games that they love and then get out and not have to worry about the tech. And then you've got people that want to do that, but they also have the technical uh, skills and abilities. Um, we're not trying to tell anybody that we can build a PC better than you. All we're trying to do is, if you're that person who just wants to focus on the games and not want to focus on the tech, well, we have a solution for you, right, A to Z. We have the hardware, we've got uh, the support and service, and we've got the quality that you'd want to have a product that's going to last you a long time and that you're not going to have to worry about. If you are technically adept and you can build your own rig, at some point in the future, if there ever comes a time where you no longer have the time to focus on that, but you still need a PC or you want a good performance product or so on and so forth, you want to do the research as to what works well together, what are the best brands out there for each component, um, what are, uh, where am I going to go get the best price for everything, and, and, and you want a service solution, technical support and service solution, that you know isn't reliant on just you. It's not just your responsibility. Like you have a warranty, you have somebody you can call if you do run into a jam. If a piece of hardware fails, um, you can have an on-site technician dispatched to your house to do the repairs for you, so you don't have to deal with it. A lot of us come into that scenario at some point in our lives, whether it's we finally graduate from school, high school or college, and we get a job, and that job we start focusing on it a little bit more. 
you start working 40 hours a week, 45, 50, 60 hours a week. Well, you know, when, when you get to that point, if you only, if your available time to play a game starts going from, I had 30 hours a week to play games to 20 to 10 to maybe I've only got five now hours a week to play games because maybe I met somebody and we start going out together. Maybe I got married. Maybe I start having kids. Um, maybe I do different things that just end up taking up more time in, in a day. Do you want to spend those five hours having to worry about getting your tech to work correctly? Or do you want to spend some of that new disposable income, hopefully, that you have as a result of the hard work you're putting into your career and just buy a turnkey solution that's going to be you know, relatively affordable. It's going to give you incredible um, value, incredible quality, and it's an easy transaction. You go to a website or you pick up a phone, it arrives a few days later, and if anything goes wrong, it's send an email out or pick up the phone and say, this isn't working, and we swap out the components for you or we dispatch an on-site technician. So that's the solution that we offer. It's the same exact thing that um, prompted the start of the company 20 years ago. Um, Nelson was getting calls from friends and family who were saying, hey, I just want to play a game and it's not running correctly on my gateway or on my compact computer out there. Um, can you build me something that's going to play Diablo or it's going to play Doom or Quake? And he would go and he would build these machines. And with enough people, the word started getting out that he was doing this. Enough people came to him asking him for gaming computers, which was a whole new term back then. Um, that's what prompted him to say, let me send one of these things to Boot Magazine and see what they think. And that's where we got a great review in Boot Magazine, a kick-ass award. And that led to, hey, maybe we should send a PC over to PC Gamer, which at the time was really only focused on um, like game pads and, uh, and games themselves. They didn't have a very strong hardware section because there wasn't a lot of hardware for gaming. And that winning that PC Gamer review, um, I think that was in 98, if I remember correctly, that's really where we, the, the company got like national attention, if you will, because the magazine was huge back then. And, and here was a, a company that was finally solving a problem that happened to be something that extended way beyond Nelson's family and friends. There was millions of people out there that were suffering from this. They just wanted to focus on their games. And here's somebody who's finally providing the solution. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, it, it was funny because like people talked about, you know, support, like, you know, uh, they, they said, oh, you guys uh, did outsource support. And they don't realize that it wasn't outsource support. This was all part of the family you know uh you know like miami uh there's there are you know there's a hispanic community you have cubans you have venezuelans and argentinians so when they called sometimes you'd hear an accent and you know we had costa rican support but they were all part of alienware so yep. but a lot of times you have people that think that it was you know all these different components and it was all part of the alienware banner so these are some of the things that you know i was hoping to uh, you know, have people understand more and more that this was all part of the the group and we were all part of one team. But I can understand from a gamer's pers uh, perspective, they may not understand because, you know, they just see from the outside. But uh, one of the things I was curious about, uh, I want to talk about was coming from the very beginnings of Alienware, where it was, you know, like almost like in a garage and then being acquired by Dell and going forward from there. But there was a period where, you know, you had the first commercial showing up like on G4 TV back in the, in the day. And then all of a sudden it was showing up on in TV shows and in movies and stuff. Was there ever a moment where 
I guess maybe the management felt almost like a swagger. You know, like when, you know, guys first went out to like the Microsoft building or something like that. Was there a moment where maybe before that, maybe some companies were like saying, I wonder if Alienware is really going to push to the next level. And then all of a sudden you guys were showing up in movies. Did you guys ever feel like that swagger? Like, yeah, guys, now look at us. You know, like before it started to really build up before the acquisition. You know, that that feeling hasn't gone away by any means. Um I do remember the first time our TV commercial aired on G4 TV. I can remember exactly where we were. Um, I can remember we all got together inside the lunchroom three buildings ago, if you can remember that building, two or three buildings ago. Um, I, and I remember it airing and the sense of pride and, and, and smiles on the faces of everybody in that room was, was, it was amazing. Um, but we still feel that way. Like, the other day, uh, not the other day, but like three weeks ago, I think it was, maybe four weeks ago now, um, on the Big Bang Theory, when Sheldon's computer died and he got a new computer and it was a brand new Alienware 17. And uh, I mean, we were passing that episode around. We were all talking to each other. Did you see it? Did you see it? It was amazing. I mean, we still take an incredible amount of pride. And then in the storage unit, we're like, oh, did you see the yeah. old one? <laughs> five of them in there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he had an Aurora. He had an Area 51. He had a Predator, too. Um, I mean, we, we're still, you know, we still nerd out about this stuff. Um, whether you were here, you know, I think uh, 15 years ago as part of the company or you're still here today, um, every employee of Alienware, just because of how small and how hardcore we all worked, we all played a major role in the company. You had to wear many hats um, and you could make a difference every hour, it seemed, right, of every day when you were um, when you're part of Alienware. So whether you're a former or current employee, I mean, I think everybody has a sense of pride. Like, you know what, I belong to that thing. And the fact that it's still surviving 20 years later in such a competitive industry, um, and we're doing much more than just surviving. I mean, we're really thriving um, out there. We're still growing. We're still innovating. We're doing all these amazing things. And again, you know, if you were an employee 15 years ago, five years ago, or today, none of that would be possible today if it weren't for everybody that contributed over our history. Um, so there's a lot of legacy here. There's a lot of history here. There's a lot to be proud of. I hope that we're not the only ones that are dorking out and, and getting happy about seeing an alien work head in movies or in commercials or um, when we did the Star Wars thing, what, about nine years ago, the Star Wars oh PCs, God. that was epic, right? I mean, that was just amazing. Um, and, and you see how many firsts we did together and how now people are copying us. Now, like, HP did a Star Wars laptop. We're like, you're a little late to the party, guys. That's old news. Um, and you're seeing all these kind of, like, franchises try and get into PCs and do these cross-promotional deals and all that. And I'm like, well, we've been doing that for 15 years, guys. Like, we laid a lot of the groundwork out there. Um, so even if it's whether we see some of our competitors following in our footsteps or we see Alienware in these movies or commercials and stuff, it gives us a, a lot of pride either way um, to know that, you know, we've really built an exceptional team of people that um, have broken so much ground in so many different areas, Even, not just the products, a lot of product first, but in how we've marketed and how we've innovated almost in every segment of uh, how we've operated the business. Like you were saying around our tech support, it's so easy to outsource tech support. I mean, who wants to deal with the problems of having a tech support organization and having to do training and having to 
handle, um, I mean, all of the complexities of dealing. I mean, there's companies out there that all they do is tech support and they outsource it. And we looked at solutions like that and we met with a bunch of companies. I remember personally meeting with a few of them myself. And the one thing that was missing with every company we met with is there was no emotional connection to the brand and no emotional connection to the product. We were just going to be another customer of theirs. And there was a bunch of metrics and they were going to do their best to deliver the best metrics they possibly could for our business. But there was no emotional connection. Um, On that and, point, though, the, 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 our call center in Costa Rica, speaking of emotional connection, we still talk to them on a daily basis. Absolutely. You know, uh, they're, they're getting involved in, in video production with us. They're getting involved in creating YouTube videos with us. Like the, the communication is mm -hmm. is so fluid. They fly to us. some of our events. right? Absolutely. They've gone with us to E3. They've gone with us to PAX. Um, you know, yeah, we talk. I personally talk to them at least once or twice a week when a customer escalation issue or something comes up. But that emotional connection, that investment in the brand, that passion is what has fueled Alienware for the past 20 years. And we try and preserve that in everything that we do, um, whether it be you know the people that are are, are working on our um, uh, our tech support, of course, people that are working in our sales teams. Uh, the people that we we have running our stores in China, for example, we have 130 Alienware stores in China. You you walk in there and they're all wearing Alienware shirts, and they can talk to you about the product, you know, as as well as any one of us can talk to you about the product. Um, they play games. Sometimes they, you know, get caught playing games while they're supposed to be working. I mean, that's <laughs> awesome. Like we used to all do that. Oh right? yeah, definitely. So you look at it and you're like, these are these are people. We call it people who bleed green. You know, they really bleed the Alienware, uh, the Alienware blood, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a long explanation there. But, um, you know, I, ultimately, what has led our success has been preserving that. That has been the most important thing for us to preserve. And we've gotten more corporate and we've gotten, um, you know, I would say more efficient and more professional in a lot of ways. But at the same time, People sometimes come into our meetings and they come into our, our like our, our, our big planning forums and stuff, and they see how we operate and they're like, "This is different. Like, there's different connections here. It's it's, it's a very different environment than your typical um, corporate environment and all of that." And, and that's because we're very sensitive to ensuring that we keep it real. Basically, we don't want to lose that very open and uh, casual environment that we had. Um, in the beginning of the days of the company. Um, so, you know, our emails may look fancier, our PowerPoint slides may look fancier, our graphs may look fancier, but the conversations behind it, the way we get to that point, it's all exactly the way it was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, you, you got us just, I mean, when you hear us talking in meetings, because we all have so much history, there's a lot of teasing that goes into it, a lot of stories that come up all the time. Hmm. I mean, Speaking of casual, you got me and Joe here in shorts and, and polos nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> we we keep we keep it lighthearted in the office, which is which is great. And one of the reasons why you know we strive so hard on the on the other side of the business is because we have that balance. What's really interesting is that with the change in how gaming has been accepted over the last really. 10, 15 years where it's considered mainstream. You have like celebrities and, you know, people into it, like I said, seeing Alienware, gaming in general, just in pop culture and all that. Is there a celebrity 
that has purchased you know an Alienware computer because I've I've seen like the orders that you were like either most proud of or maybe even went to set it up because I've seen like some of that that <laughs> maybe you have a story about that you were like wow this person bought an Alienware computer that was custom made for them. There's so many stories. Um, I most the most recent one was Vin Diesel. He posted that on Instagram. Um, and, and he bought it or someone bought it for him. We had no idea. We were completely surprised. One of our employees who follows him sent it to us and he's like, were, were you, or she was like, are, did you guys do this? We're like, no, this is awesome. Um, so he was the, the most recent one. We've had Dale Earnhardt Jr. We've had so many people. Um, I, I can't even think, uh, goodness. A lot what, of basketball. It's funny. What actually, besides just getting on, Danny DeVito, Joe went to Danny DeVito's house yeah. and set up his system for him specifically. You've been to a bunch of people. You have Skrillex yeah. and well, how, how many? What other DJs do you have? Morgan. Morgan, of course. Yeah. Uh, Glitch Mob. Glitch Mob. Glitch Mob was really cool. Yeah, it, it's great. Like especially over there, he's he's actually helped us out a lot along the way too. Yeah, he's very technical. Uh, I mean, there's so many. It's. And, and it keeps growing, we, and, and we still get shocked all the time. But funny enough, what I've been getting a real kick out of the last year is doing uh, first-time VR demos uh, yeah. for celebrities or influencers who they, they think they know when they go into it, and they come out, and you see that smile. Or jaw drop, and, and uh, like, wow. The experience, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, VR virgins. It's, it, awesome. it's it, That's what's been really getting me off these days is just watching Really? It. Be careful <laughs> where you go there, <laughs> <laughs> professionally you're, you're a married man now so <laughs> she's a poor <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i mean it's just it, it's just really cool to see i mean you're at pax east seeing people waiting in line for five hours to get this experience um seeing them act a fool in these in these rooms and coming out with these giant smiles and laughing um that's what's really been awesome i've never seen so much butt crack in my life <laughs> we're, we're showing the game with Oculus uh, Dead and Buried, and it was a four-player multiplayer game. So you're in VR multiplayer, and you, you had the Oculus Touch controllers, and you're standing up, and you're crouching and all of this. And we had these see-through windows so you can watch the people doing it. And, I mean, what, 50% of the people were, were squatting crouched butt down, crack. and you just saw butt crack. All <laughs> it was a little uncomfortable, but after a while, you'd be amazed at how... Like immune, you can get to butt crack being in your face. It becomes like another thing. Well, I, I admit, uh, you know, just just I, I've had so much fun just being at Alienware, just being exposed to just the different things that you can see. Uh, I mean, just having the president come down and have a, a LAN party. I mean, that's you don't see that, especially later on. Like I thought when you get there and it was small, like when I got there, we still had just this one warehouse and then expand. And you start to think to yourself, oh, it's going to become more corporate. And yes, there was more uh, more structure and there was more rules. But every once in a while, you'd still have that same you know party atmosphere there was still things to do that was fun and things like that and there was always those funny moments like i remember and you know i'm not going to say anything to get anybody in trouble or anything like that but i remember sometimes so <laughs> yeah right you you know i remember one time you would have a customer send back a, a box and and it, it i guess they were upset about something and it, it it said alienware rocks on it and they sent back a box and it was rocks in it instead of the computer and it was like, oh my goodness, you know, and it's just little silly things like that, that, you know, every once in a while you deal with it. But for most, for the most part, it was like, you know, just funny 
adventures that you deal with like did you have any just funny stories like that where it's like you know nothing that's bad or anything but just something that just made you smile just in your everyday adventures there's so many moments um yeah i think uh one of the proudest moments i I think everybody here um was uh last year no a year and a half ago now i think maybe last year um, you know, you talk, talk about adventures and things, you know, you come to work every day and you work hard and you have fun and you're very focused on innovating and our customers and, and growing the business and helping our people grow and develop and everybody sharing the success of the business. And, um, we get a, an email one day from the Make-A-Wish Foundation and they said, Hey, um, we have a kid in our program and he wants your job for a day, Frank. Um, and that I think was like, I, I know for me, I was like, wow, and all the times I've said my job sucks. Suddenly somebody wants my job. Um, and or we thought like, man, sometimes it gets hard and you're like, shit, is this really worth it? But that there's people out there that, you know, we kind of take it for granted. Um, so this is, his name is Joe. We still stay in touch with him. Uh, him and I are emailing actually right now about some stuff, but, um, you know, his, his one wish was to come in and learn about Alienware and meet with us and have my job for a day. Um, and we had a lot of fun. And, you know, the interesting thing is we were brainstorming. I remember this. And we started arguing, which we usually do here all the time when we come up with ideas and stuff. We start because we're all very passionate. We're going back and forth and saying, I think I don't know about that. That's kind of stupid. Why don't you do it this way? Why the hell would we do that? So it gets a little aggressive sometimes, but we all know each other very well. So we just know that we're all fighting for the right things because we of what we think is the best thing for the business and our customers. And I remember after it, he's like, hey, um, did you guys settle on that fight? Was everything okay? Yeah. I'm like, Joe, that's that happens all the time. That's how it works every day. But you want to talk about an adventure. Um, that was uh, one of the proudest, if not the proudest moments, because it really calm, it really grounded us as to what we have built here it's so much more than just a job or a brand or a a, a set of awesome products or all these firsts or any of that stuff this really means a lot to people beyond just us um you know for some of us ray you've been here 12 13 years 13 so i mean a lot of us grew up here you know i met my wife at alienware um we had our two kids while i was working at alienware um, you know, I was in high school when I started this thing. So my basically my entire business education is the University of Alienware. And for a lot of people here, most of our employees have been here over a decade. Um, they, they can say the same thing. They kind of grew up here and a lot of life events occurred for them here. So this means a lot to us. Um, and but when to, to see that means so much to some customers out there, that was amazing to us and very motivating for us to work even harder to make sure we, we keep it right. Two weeks ago, I was at LaGuardia Airport, and uh, the guy that was working at Cinnabon had an Alienware tattoo. Oh, man. That's right. That's right. I took a photo of it, and I was texting Frank. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's got a tattoo of our brand on his body permanently. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were so proud of it that we actually shared that photo through our social media channels. Um, and the guy was so excited that, that, you know, that we were so excited that he had that tattoo. And. We sent him a bunch of uh, a swag stuff, and the guy's been emailing me. His name goes by uh, his name is Marvin, 
And um, it's just, it's really cool to see how, you know, all the hard work that we've been putting in for all these years resonates with so many people, mm-hmm. um, you know, between Joe and this guy Marvin and everybody else. It's just, and it's a huge responsibility it too, is. at the same time, you know, I mean, there's at least four people that I know of that we've seen that have alien war tattoos on them. Right. Um, and then you've got, of course, our huge customer and our huge fan base. Um, and, you know, you build up this this uh, credibility with these people, right? Um, and you kind of make sure you don't let them down. Uh, because for someone to go as far as tattooing our logo on their body or to give us hundreds of dollars for a product because they trust from us that it's going to do everything that you know we say it's going to do and, and meet or exceed their expectations, it's an incredible responsibility that we take home with us every day to make sure that we never let them down when it comes to that stuff. And I'll tell you, it's so easy to let people down. It is so easy and it's so hard to preserve your brand tenants and your promise to people because there's so much temptation out there. Like we could do so many things to double and triple the size of our business. It would be so easy. We can go put an alien head on a shitty notebook out there um, that's you know all plastic with no overclocking capability that throttles that does all this stuff and we could sell it for 500 bucks and we'll sell a gazillion of them easy and we'll all be heroes to the business you know in yeah. for the year but that's such a huge mistake it's an obvious mistake right um, but there's it's just hard not, it, to us it's native so it's not that hard for us but there's so many opportunities and temptations out there to do something stupid. Um, and I think we've been really good at resisting those things. And if we ever have done something stupid, we've done everything we possibly can to correct those wrongs. And our customers, thankfully, never hesitate to tell us when we screw up. Um, but I think what we do very well is we listen, we act, and then we respond to when we, we have screwed up and we really learn from our mistakes and we really try and, and right any wrongs that we've made. Has the it- are one hinge issue. Yep. They gave lifetime warranty on that hinge. Lifetime warranty on the M11X hinge. Um, we did another one recently when I did the Reddit AMA. I was getting ripped to pieces, the power supply. Mm-hmm. Our customers, we had launched our notebooks a couple of years ago, and they were really upset because the power supply we were shipping with the notebooks, um, they believed that it was causing some throttling on the notebooks. And we're like, no, 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 we designed it so that it wouldn't do that. Like We specifically put, uh, this, I forgot the name of the feature, um, so that we could actually overdrive the power supply while the, the CPU and the GPU needed that kind of jolt in, in uh, performance and, and power for those seconds of time. And we were like, no, 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 it's supposed to work correctly. And they were telling us, guys, it's not working correctly. It's screwed up. It's this. So we're like, all right, let's go figure this out. I mean, they're not lying to us. Mm-hmm. And there's something there. So we did a whole investigation. We reached out to like five customers. They sent us their units. They showed us the criteria for how they were replicating it. And sure enough, we screwed up. There was a bug in the BIOS code, and it wasn't operating the right way. So we went out. We said, you know what? Every single customer who's running into this issue and this, they're being affected by this, they're going to get a free 240-watt power mm-hmm. supply to go off and correct it. Boy, and fix the BIOS issue. Boy, did that cause some headaches internally. <laughs> that, was, that was a decision that we made. It was absolutely the right thing to do, but um, it, that's an expensive decision. That's an expensive decision to stand by. Um, and for over a year, while we were selling that product, we still kept sending out 
a few hundred power supplies every single month to people that were it wasn't hundreds it was a few a few power supplies that um said hey i'm being affected by this issue still we'd send them the bios it updated they wouldn't be affected by it but because we made that commitment we stood by it even if you weren't affected by it anymore if you still wanted that 240 we made that commitment to you were going to get that 240 watt power supply so you know at the end of the day we're not a fly-by-night company i think we've proven that by 20 years of history Right. Um, so for us, when we make decisions, it's really important to us that it's not only the right decision now, but it's going to be the right decision for us three, four, five, ten years ago, uh, ten years from now, because we want this to be a thirty-year-old company one day. We want it to be a forty-year-old company one day, um, and you have to make sure that you make a commitment to a customer. You preserve that commitment to them because it takes decades to build a brand, but it takes seconds to destroy it. And we know that, and we're very sensitive to making sure that we don't make that mistake. There's a lot of games that's coming out, um, and some that's just recently been released that are really pushing the graphics that you re that are required for you to have on a system. So a lot of people are talking about upgrading their systems. You talk about Doom, Star Citizen, things like that. But before that, you know, a lot of the games are allowing you to run your computer much longer. And then you also have a lot more people playing phone games, things like that. Did you guys notice that maybe people were keeping their PCs longer or not needing to have uh, a high-performance PC? And has that affected the way you guys, you know, launch things or run your business? Or has it been pretty much, uh, you know, business as usual over the last few years? No, I think uh, we, we definitely are cognizant of that. Um, you know, for us, we see that stuff, fortunately, because we play games and we live the brand as much as we do. We don't have to wait until data comes out and tells us that this is happening in the marketplace. We, we saw it. And the proof points that I can share with you that, that demonstrate how long ago we saw this, uh, this trend that you're talking about where kind of the games weren't pushing the hardware to, the, to its limits as much as it were in the, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. It's when you saw us come out with products like the X51. We came out with that product over four years ago now, if I remember correctly. And we basically capped it out at like a, today it's a GTX 970. Uh, back um, when we launched it, I think it was a 760. It was or, a 60 series, yeah. Or 660 back then. And that was like unheard of, right? For a gaming machine to be tapped out at a kind of a performance mainstream graphics card. Um, but our focus then was, hey, you know, we're seeing this emergence occur where there's a lot better scalability in games now. Um, you know, you can actually run most games, if not all games, and just scale down your graphics a little bit to be able to do it. Um, so it, the need for these huge towers that have all this performance and all this cost inside of them is uh, it's not... It is diminishing. Starting, the need is diminishing. The demand is still there for it. People still want the biggest and the, and the most badass shit you can build. So we still build that happily. But um, there's a real opportunity to make PC gaming more accessible to people by building form factors that are a little bit more practical. They put out less heat. They're less expensive. Um, and they're just you know easier to, to, to put in your house or your room. These huge towers would always have to go under the desk, and we'd get people complaining that they couldn't fit it under their desk, and it was like a little space heater and all that stuff. So that really gave birth to the X51. Um, and then since then, you've seen us build the Alpha, which we took a lot of that performance and miniaturized it even further. 
Um, and we put it into a form factor that's the size of an old Nintendo Wii, basically. Um, yet it outperforms an Xbox or a PlayStation 4. And again, it's because of those reasons. And then we priced it. We've priced that thing like at $449 and plays most games out there. If you buy the 8 gig with an i5, it plays every game that's out there. Um, so we are absolutely trying to take advantage of the fact that some PC games, most PC games out there are not as demanding as they used to be. And you can build a solution that's really small, really cost effective, uh, really high quality and it performs exceptionally well. That'll play 99% of the games that are out there um, and not have to spend, you know, more than five, six hundred dollars for something like that. So if you look at our, our products, right, we have a, the Alpha now that's in that category. We have the X51 in that category. Um, but at the same time, we're starting to see VR applications come in and it's like 19, you know, 99 all over again or 2005 all over again. VR has come in and it's driving for some really, really massive performance specifications. So our, our the, the high end, if you will, and the, and the, and the kind of the tower category and the desktop replacement, like 17 inch uh, notebooks and stuff, and, and what gave birth to the Alienware graphics amplifier, that stuff is now like resonating incredibly, you know, because these you have to have a 970 minimum graphics part in there and a lot of our customers want a, a 980 or a 1080 or something like that so we're kind of seeing back to the future here occur where things got a little uh i would say performance demands got a little kind of middle class if you will yeah and now things are getting really really high end again because of vr well you have vr in 4k yeah, 4K. And, and yeah. 4K pushing too. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a bitch to run a 4K game. You need a, a rig to run a 4K game at you know 60 frames per second minimum. It's you need some serious horsepower. All right. So last thing, since uh, in Miami, I know that a couple of weeks ago uh, you were speaking to students over at the Wilson campus, and you were talking to like uh, the game development people. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Like uh, you know what you talked to them about because I. I think that's really interesting uh reaching out to students helping them you know uh giving them like wisdom about the industry you could just talk to us a little bit about like what you talked to them about yeah I, I do this a lot I'll, I'll be talking tomorrow actually to elementary school kids um and we have uh, a big college coming in is it tomorrow is tomorrow yeah tomorrow they're coming in so tomorrow will be like all education you, focused day you've for got, me you've got elementary i've got college and well i'll come back to speak to them as well um <laughs> look for for us it, it's it's really simple um we have been very fortunate to have this opportunity in the pc gaming space um, as an industry, right? We've been able to all participate in this booming industry. And, and for now, it, there's no signs that it's going to let up. Um, so we have a really, a really good future and a good opportunity here. Um, Alienware has been a gem in that for thousands of employees over its history. Um, and we've learned a lot. And, you know, we look at kind of where, where, where folks are today um, in their evaluation of where they want to go and what they want to do and um and there's a lot of experience and wisdom that we can help them with and we can pass down to help just get them started um and help give them a a head start on some of the things um that they're considering doing so um i try and speak to as many people as my time allows me to 
um, to give them, to share with them just some of our experience, some of the success factors that have helped us become successful as a company and as a brand, um, to, uh, to help advise them if they ever need advice on what maybe they should do next or uh, whether it be in their educational career, what in their in their in their in their work career, in their um, if they're a startup, uh, you know some of the lessons that we learned as, as from Alienware being a startup and now Dell being the world's largest startup. Um, so it's just our, it's part of us giving back. Um, you know I'm very fortunate in that the team here at Alienware is phenomenal. Um, we have uh, the best team I think that uh, uh, in the entire industry that you could possibly have working on gaming stuff. Um, and it has enabled me to be able to spend more of my time um, with outreach like that and talking to uh, students, talking to business entrepreneurs, talking, talking to startups and stuff. Um, and we do it just because we want to see the community thrive. We want to see more game developers developing badass games. That's good for everybody in the industry. We want to see more kids get um, into PC gaming or console gaming as well, any type of gaming. Um, because there, this is a great industry to be in, right? I mean, you can actually be a hardcore gamer and then go learn how to how to program, be a programmer, and suddenly start programming games. That's amazing. That's, that's basically what we did on the hardware side is we were hardcore gamers, and we learned how to make gaming hardware, and holy crap, look what we built over here together. So it's it's so simple in some ways. It's like take your passion. If you love to play video games, Take that passion and just start making some of the best games that you possibly can out there. And it's so easy today to do it. And the, I mean, the, the old days in the 90s, before really, you know, we had uh, things like Greenlight and Kickstarter and Indiegogo and all that stuff, you basically had to build a game and then convince a major publisher to go off and put money behind that game, print CDs or DVDs, put it in retail. Do all that stuff, and if they weren't going to sell a ton of marketing, if they weren't going to sell three hundred thousand copies, they weren't going to pick up your game. I, I can't imagine because we just don't know how many amazing games never got to see the light of day, right? Because of the world that the way it was organized back then, the market was. Today, you've got so many tools out there: um, Greenlight, Android, iOS, all these things that very easily put your game out there. And have it succeed. We have an indie program. We have our own indie program where we help give you hardware and, and resources to, to help get your game um, to become more successful. There's so many resources out there today that it's really uh, an exciting time to be a, an entrepreneur in any category, but especially to be somebody that's interested in gaming because there's just so much, so many tools, so many people like us who there are willing to help people out with our indie program or pretty much anybody that ever reaches out to me and says, hey, Frank, can you give me some advice or can you connect us with anybody on your team that can help us out? We're thinking about doing a startup or we're thinking about doing this. There's no strings attached. We're happy to have a conversation and help each other out. Um, and, and again, it's because of that. It's We've been very fortunate and we want to just try and help as many people as possible to uh, uh, for them to be as fortunate, if not more, than we've been. So to add two things, um, if you want to know more about the Indie program, go to AlienWareArena.com. All the information is there if you're out there listening. And two, the magic program and the scholarships that we do over there. Yeah, thanks, Ray, for the reminder. So we um, we do a program at. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm getting a phone call here. We do a program with Miami Dade College. Um, really exciting. So uh, their founder of this program is called Magic. Um, it's the Miami Dade Anim Animation 
graphics, illustration, case illustration, college, yeah. something like that. <laughs> it's a long after. We call it magic. Uh, <laughs> it's called. But they went out and they created a really badass game development, animation, um, and programming school um, in downtown Miami. And they put state-of-the-art equipment. I mean, brand new um, Wacom tablets with brand new Dell workstations. And we didn't require them to buy Dell workstations by any means. They, they made that decision entirely on their own even before we started working together. Um, uh, 3D yeah, printers. The build looks a, awesome. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. They have 3D printers. They have a, mo-cap stu a motion capture studio. They have a, a recording studio. They have... Uh, classrooms it's amazing so you walk in and we've seen some of these schools out there and around the country that are, have built programs like this and you're like this is like a fifty thousand dollar a year program right because this is a state-of-the-art facility and everything and they're like no it's like i think four thousand dollars a year or five thousand dollars a year for uh for a student to come in do two years and basically walk out of there being an animator a programmer a game programmer or a game designer or sound programmer. Or sound. I mean, you can go into any one of those tracks. So for less than $10,000, you can walk out with a skill set, basically, to go have a successful career. That was extremely inspirational to us. So we partnered with them on um, a, two scholarship programs there. One, during summer, we do a summer camp where high school kids can come in. They do a summer camp there at Magic. Um, and we provide funding for 20 students to be able to do that so they can come in they don't have to pay any fees or anything um, we provide all the funding for that um, and then uh, during the school year we provide uh, eight scholarships I think it's eight scholarships six or eight scholarships yeah. um, maybe it's six I don't remember right now six or eight scholarships um, so you can go through the entire two-year program um, and uh, and not have to pay a thing it's all sponsored by Alienware and Dell um, so, you know, just again, it's our way of giving back. Here is something really inspirational, really motivating to us um, to help students kind of find their way, get a skill set, go out there and build some more badass stuff for the industry. And uh, there's no strings attached to it whatsoever. It's not like you have to build PC games or you have to develop on Alienware. None of that stuff. It's, it's purely our way of giving back. And Dell's very charitably focused. Um, we don't talk a lot about it, but. Dell, uh, as a company, gives hundreds of millions of dollars a year, um, every single year, to uh, to a bunch of different charities out there. We are we mandatorily have to volunteer <laughs> um, at least one hour per employee per year. We What's actually requested. Yeah, Alienware is really good. We we do about about an average of between twelve to six. 12 to 20 hours each employee because we do an event every quarter, uh, a community service event every quarter. We're actually up to once a month. We're doing one once a month? Now? Yeah. I'm not here so much. Yeah, you're on the road. About four hours a month. Nice. Um, so we're very, very dull as a company and culture and everything is very, very focused on giving back and stuff. So we're um, there's always really cool things like that that we're doing. We're very proud of uh, what we're doing with the Magic program. Well, that's very cool. I, I, I really enjoyed all my time at, at Alienware, and I really think that with everything that's done, you know, I, I really wanted to get you guys to talk about, you know, some of the things that's gone on. There was always little questions that people always had about Alienware that I wanted to get addressed, and of course the stories that you guys told. So I really appreciate uh, talking to you, and it was great to also have Raymond come on. So 
have a little bit of a dynamic duo. I'm just, I'm just the voice in the background, buddy. Yeah, don't, don't show his face. Don't show his face. You lose all your listeners. Well, that's that's the thing with that name, because I, I, you know, the funniest thing is when people used to say, you know, they're like, man, I always thought that that Raymond Watkins, I thought that was a black guy, and he's not. And the, I, get, I get that all the time. <laughs> But but no, thanks to Frank Azor and Raymond Watkins for coming on the show with us today. Thanks a lot, guys. It was awesome. Good to talk to you, buddy. Thank Take you, care. Buddy.